This is Shaka Wart speak. Land the plane. Well, I've pushed the button, so Mike is hot. It's a good. It's a good start. Hey, we're back. It's Shaka Wart speak. Yup. It's Gareth and Cody. Mm-hmm. We call. Uh, they call him Code Red, which is why I call him Cody Spice, because <laughs> Red and Spice are literally the same thing. There's no difference. <laughs> Aren't you the guy who always talks about how there's a million different types of red? Maybe. Cody Spice. Maybe Cody Spice. See, that's now you're getting Cody Red, Cody Spice. So it's not going away. I'm not going to let it go away. It's so nerdy and doesn't make any sense, and it's great. Cody's actually wearing a red jumpsuit today, so I'm excited. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't wear mine. It'd have been super awkward. That would have been way weird. I mean, not for us, but for you. Yeah. Because you'd been the not wearing the, not Well, wearing I would have been left out. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. just wearing biker shorts right now, so. Yeah, it's awkward for us. That's it should be. <laughs> they were from a few years ago, and I've changed a lot since COVID. So, <laughs> but you're ready to bike if you need to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the world's ready for me to bike. <laughs> well, so we're talking about something today. Yeah, I'm highly unfocused today. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about uh, calling still. I think this is the last. Uh, Gosh, this is the last of it. I don't know. I mean, I guess are, are we? Because I mean, I think we got some questions. We got some stuff. But I think you know, is this, is this the end of it? It, it could be. I think we need to see if it. Um, <laughs> it could be. I don't know. Like, it, um, I figure, hey, it's our podcast. If we decide it needs to go longer, hey, this is the first of a twelve-part last part. Yeah, we're doing this. It's the uh, when Cher went on her um, final tour. Yeah, uh, the, the, so it's like this is the final tour that went on for twenty years. So it's like, can you imagine? Every year you're like, I saw Cher for the last time. And then next year, it's like, hey, the just final tour back. is coming back. <laughs> it's like the Eagles, great man. business model. Yeah. I mean, 20 years of just a final tour is kind of like, you know, several lifetimes for other musicians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but then when you finally decide to stop, you're still not wrong. Yeah. Her you final tour lasted that, longer yeah. than That's all the tours. It's just an audacious time it, frame. It lasted longer than all the tours of all the metal hair bands. Yes. Combined. Yeah. There's something really sad about seeing like an old 80s hair band playing at like a bar. <laughs> That no one's looking. It's like yeah, Motley it's the Crue people. playing at a bar, and then no one's paying attention. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> it's like that's the life that is. That's the life. No. That's the life cycle of a hairband. Yeah. <laughs> you go through stages. You play at state fairs, and then you play at local fairs, and then it goes to like carnivals, and it's like bingo centers. You know, like somebody posted like a really political thing that was about D. Snyder the other day, and uh, it said D. Snyder, and I didn't even read it. Yeah, because I was just like irrelevant. Yeah, irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Oh, sorry. I thought D. you were making a D D snatch joke. So I'm no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, just a D Snyder reference. Right. You know, that one's for you, D. That was for you, D. <laughs> you suck. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, I think we lost him. <laughs> I have to press that stop button. Start from scratch. Yeah, where's uh, somebody cue up that record skip sound effect? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, this is not brain debris. I'm done. (laughs) I don't think I can come back from this. Okay, we're back. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
sorry, Cody. Yeah, don't apologize to me. Okay, boys. <laughs> Let's get serious. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what are we going to do? All right, so we're back. We're talking about calling again, but we are following up on last week where we had planned to land the plane and we just sort of like altitude it up about 50,000 feet. Yeah, we episode. had to. We had to. So now we're just going to be jumping out of the plane uh, okay. at 50,000 feet so we can get that landing to happen. Yeah. Okay. Sounds so. good. Locked and loaded. Thanks, Spicy. Yeah. So, we, um, so we've got some questions maybe come through. Um, yeah, we've got some questions. I think the thing is the, uh, well, yeah, I guess we'll just jump in. And the th- I guess the, the thing to throw into the uh, the soccer ball to kick in the room mm-hmm. that'll keep popping up. It's like the el- well, it's the elephant soccer ball in the room. So yeah. it's the elephant in the room that we need to kick around. <laughs> okay, but I don't want to kick an elephant, so it's a soccer ball. Sounds good. Sure. Okay, good. All right. So um, is is as I said it before in the last episode, but it's ethics and morals. So I don't really want to talk about that today. Yeah. But I'm just saying that that is a massive. Uh, there's a gap in this conversation because we're we're not talking about that or it's not infused. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is like world sort of like uh, the other thing is that's like in it's like your worldview assumptions. Mm-hmm. So so what do you, how do you what do you think constitutes the world that is? How do you think about it? You know, cosmology, that kind of thing. Like whatever it is you think about. So I'm only saying that to say that those two features uh, have a lot to do with this conversation. Yeah, and without without those. Um, kind of being talked about completely, mm-hmm. then there's gaps. So just for the listener, certain things can't make all the way sense right now. You know, not to undercut our conversation, yeah, just, no, to, totally. just to kind of say it up front. Yeah. Um, so that's good. So what kind of questions do we got? We want to get into some practicalities. Yeah. Um, so I'll just start with the first one we have. Um, this is kind of a multi-parter. So. The question was, what is the difference between someone who thinks they're called to something but are not really versus someone who does have a calling but they're avoiding it due to either laziness or fear of the ramifications of the call, which might be something like rejection, lack of assurance about the future. Mm -hmm. Gareth, you touched a little bit last episode on like people early in their career who want that assurance of success. Yeah, yeah. Play into it. So is is there a difference? Mm-hmm. Man. And that's tough. Yeah. I mean, because on the surface, I mean, they could almost look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that, um, you know, at the heart of something like calling and, you know, when what you're doing and what this calling is, like when they line up, there's a flourishing that happens there. And I think that's one of the things that is most glaringly obvious mm-hmm. in most things. And just to put a pin in that, uh, flourishing doesn't mean your life suddenly now becomes positive and perfect, but it mm. means that there is, uh, I mean, what's the guy He was all popular like 10, 15 years ago and people were going on and on about him. His, he wrote a book about flow, right? Where you just get into work. Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you just like get into your work and you hit that spot where like, it's just like just going like where yeah. it feels easy. Um, not that it isn't work, but that there's an ease to it. That's a bit more mm. approachable. So I think on 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 one hand, like th- that that was something that would be missing from it is that sense of flourishing would still be missing in both those situations, whether you're stepping step or sidestepping 
uh, calling mm-hmm. to just like kind of be lazy and not have to step into the hardness of it or difficulty of it or whatever. Um, or if you're in something that just isn't what you're really yeah. fit for. Yeah. I would say, I would say that the, um, yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the, doesn't mean that your life is always going well. Yeah. Kind of it thing. definitely it doesn't. Yeah. Like, so, so there's the, uh, this goes back to like the, uh, placeholder for like, it depends on who's calling. Um, we've got questions about all that. Yeah. So, the that informs the the, the answer, and because if someone's calling you into something, it could also be that you're in you're intended for it. So I guess what I would want to say is, here's the thing: it's it's not atomistic. It's not like um, you only have this little sliver of a thing to do, and then you make it a big thing, and then you do it. You know, it's not that. It's like um, there is a general way that it seems to me, speaking from my very personal opinion in, in some of my beliefs that um, that humans are in general called and oriented in a certain way in general and that those generalities in, include several things and those become some of the basis for c- civilization and so within um, civilization that you have aptitudes that incline themselves more closely to particular kinds of things so like you can be uh, your capacity and your aptitude can be for things that seemingly are, you know, at face value look different, but are actually uh, retain a high level of the same intangibles. So, so then, you know, as you move into uh, from general into specific, so you're still maintaining the general call, if you will. Like, so for me, it's, I'm a husband, a father, a neighbor, a brother, you know, a friend, you know, I, there's like things that are prior to the things that I do um, that maybe some people know me for. And that is sort of the basis for the things that I'm prior to that inform the way in which I understand the way I'm called. So like, I'm not into, I'm not existing independent, like an artist, curator, whatever those things are, professor, like all of that stuff is not independent from the other things I said. They're not fractured identities, right? It's one, it's one, I'm a, a fully in, integrated being in this reality. I'm a, a, a psychosomatic unity. I think that humans are, we either are, uh, intention and, and alienated like i said last week but but you're a psychosomatic unity fully integrated in this world and these general uh components become sort of also like the building block for for a healthy society mm-hmm. you know we're seeing uh a war happen right now of some kind and um these are people fighting against their own kind in a sense like um there's a lack of fellowship mm-hmm. prior to the uh civil discourse that has created a discordant relationship yeah. uh, based on political ideology or whatever it is, power gain, you know, like all these things that we understand. But what mitigates that is, is understanding the general call first. And then that frees you for not overcompensating and narrows you to, I think possibilities that are more akin to the way that you're, you're, you're apt, like how you're wired, what your capacity is. So when someone is not, when someone is is ignoring that, they're just probably frustrated. Like you feel tension. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is um, uh, denying, lying to themselves, so to speak, insisting, they'll have a hard time enduring in it. Yeah, you won't be able to do it because that's and that's to, that's why I said I like what you said because you won't be able to do it when it's hard because it will be hard because not everybody's going to believe you or support you all the time in these things, especially if we're talking about art. Like yeah, yeah, for real. You know, so if you're like, I'm a painter and, you know, 
500 people around you are like, I don't understand painting. I don't know why you would do that. That doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't do it, but it doesn't make it easy. Um, and I think it's, it's nuanced, but I just think that when you're not really inclined to something, you will wither. It will chew you up. Yeah. You know, no, I think it's a good point. Um, because you, you do see that. And I think you kind of see that in, in both instances as well. It looks a little different, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, doing, uh, avoiding kind of what you're called to, uh, avoiding, avoiding that, I think, makes a person who's m- much more resentful. Mm-hmm. Um, and from experience, uh, friends I've had, folks I've known, professors I've learned from even, um, seeing those sort of spaces, uh, there's a, a huge level of resentment, I think, that comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think another part about this is that um, when you're kind of in that space where what you're doing in whatever capacity, whether it's, you know, full-time work or just as a, like a hobby or a side thing, uh, a pursuit that you're actually really healthily engaged with um, and whatever you're doing, like there's, I think there's usually within the spaces that are more uh, positive and more flourishing, you're going to see, um, like we've talked about over and over again on this podcast, you're going to see people who are engaged in external things, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's not just going to be, you know, consuming the world or consuming media or consuming everything, but mm-hmm. but generative, like we've yeah. talked about, right? And uh, I think the same goes, you know, like you're talking about, like with relationships and stuff. It's not going to just be uh, picking up relationships and how they can serve you, mm-hmm. but being a part of a community where you can actually give back mm-hmm. and be a part of, it. and that's. And, and that's whether it's like, you know, through shows or just like your neighbor down the street or how you handle your social media. I mean, like all this stuff kind of becomes apparent um, because there's a there's a weight to it, but not necessarily like the like crazy seriousness mm-hmm. that we place on it. Kind of going back to a few episodes ago, where we talked about the necessity of humor mm-hmm. and what we do. Um, you know, when you have a when you have a larger view, a larger scale than that thing. Then, then humor and everything else can kind of be infused into it because you don't feel like it's all dependent on you. That mm-hmm. um, you actually get to be a part of something bigger, which is yeah, super it's nice. In, it's in a better context. Yeah, hundred percent. Better context. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I do think so. Like, I'm going to make a. Well, so my daughter Ava, we were talking. I was reviewing a paper she wrote. And I was using, I was using a hamburger or a sandwich to critique the paper. And I was saying that the the top, mm-hmm. the intro, and the the closeout uh, were like like soggy bread. Like they yeah yeah. But the inside was delicious. And I said so. Regardless, it's delicious. But but why not make the bread better? Mm-hmm. You know, like why not set a better um, uh, set a better bite and better finish. And, and make the whole thing good. And so we're, I'm getting more vivid, you know, she's 12 and it, like, she's like, it connects for her. You know, we're having a good conversation about how to adjust these things in practical terms and looking at words and things. But so then she, she said, I like dad. I like that you use an, like, you know, you'll use something else to help me understand yeah. what I'm looking at. And she's like, mm-hmm. I just appreciate it. I like that dad. And then she goes, you know, this is just her coming to her own terms. So she goes, I like, you know, this is things people have thought about, but she goes, um, I was thinking like, um, humans are kind of like trees, 
you know, so she starts going on, like we grow, we're planted, like she starts breaking it down, we're seed, like starts going in. And so then I was like, I was like, this is great. Tell me more. I agree with you, you know, like, and then, um, you know, we started talking about the root system mm-hmm. and you got to have good roots, you know, which good roots require good soil. You got to be resilient. There's like all these factors. You're also dependent upon the sun and like we're going in and in and in. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I showed her a picture of lungs, you know, and then I showed her a picture <laughs> of a tree. Yeah. And I was like, cause she's like, do you think it's meant to be that way? And I said, oh yeah, I think so. And then I showed her, I showed her the tree and I said, look at the tree and look at the lungs. Do you mm-hmm. see the sameness? And she said, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I said, what do trees do? And then <laughs> she said, what trees do as far as oxygenate, you know? And I was like, and what do lungs receive? And I said, do you think that's by accident? Is that random? You know? And, or is there some, some kind of accordance there? It, yeah. It's as if it's as if these things were meant for each other. Mm-hmm. It's as if they call to each other. And so, like that, that there's a fullness to be understood through the mutuality of, of the way in which they correspond, but that they can't, that doesn't appear to be by accident. And I know some will say that it is, but it doesn't seem to be. So I, I know that's a little cheeky and, but, um, but so when I say calling, it's something like that. So like you, there's an, there's an accordance with, you know, that, that like really call response, like there's a interplay there that uh, there's a fitting fittingness mm-hmm. um, that becomes discernible. It's not wish fulfillment. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's much more than that. Um, yeah. 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 It's like, it's like, you know, with music, it's like the guy who can, who can um, the person who can like, you know, we often see it most acutely in younger people will say, wow, like that person can play by ear and they're really young. Mm-hmm. So we, we see it in this, that purity thing and we go, wow. But it's like, yeah, if you can actually hear music and pl- translate that faster, yeah, you know, like you probably have an aptitude for that. I mean, like that's mm-hmm. an important, like that's something to do with the way you're wired, the way you're made. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I um, was talking with a, a high school student a few years back and um, they were, we we're having sort of the same sort of conversations about like calling and vocation and what it looks like. And, um, I said, uh, I was like, well, what are you, what are you good at? Because that really like gets, it's like underutilized as a category for understanding yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is weird to me. Um, you know, cause especially as a kid growing up playing sports, like I played the sports I was good at. Mm-hmm. It was more fun. It was easier in some ways because it was more fun to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, what are you good at? And they were really, really good at chemistry. Like it was an ease to them. Like they just got it. And as somebody who is not in that space, <laughs> that was pretty amazing. Yeah, they're yeah. Right. You know, so I was like, that's great. And they're like, yeah, I don't, it, it doesn't feel like work. And I was like, well, you should maybe do that. And I was like, so what are you going to do in college? And they're like, well, I'm going to be a teacher. It's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'm going to teach like uh, elementary school. I was like, why? Not that that's not a great thing to do, I guess. I'm like, why? I'm like, how does this accord with like what you know about yourself? And what that means for the world. I was like, why not pharmacy school? Uh, that's a lot of work. There it is. Well, now fast forward and I think that student's doing fine. Of mm-hmm. course, you know, they're, they're doing their thing. But I don't know that they, it doesn't seem like they have any enjoyment in it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it's something that feels like, they, they feel kind of adrift. Well, sometimes you get, yeah, you get, you look for practicality and safety. 
and then in there there's a little bit of there's always a little bit of laid arrogance in us to kind of like can make concessions to uh like i'll just teach yeah and then you wonder why the education system fails how many yeah. people are te- that's a hobby horse but how many people are teaching who said i'll just teach mm-hmm. because they've estimated their lifestyle and said it's a reasonable enough amount of money i get a chance to always complain <laughs> because i'll never get paid enough and I'm, so i'm always on a justifiable side of discontentment going in and i have a a, a virtue signal built in I'm, not, I'm a teacher i've been teaching my whole life so i'm not saying yeah, yeah. this is like an outsider i'm saying this from experience from 19 forward mm-hmm. working only in schools that's all i've done so <laughs> and then within that there is the yeah. um the virtue signal that you can grab hold of whenever you want to mm-hmm. it all sucks but i helped this kid today yeah so it's like a it's like um a set of unchecked categories of value that are scrambled up and you're like trying to fit like you you know you got to be doing something for somebody else you know you need assurance mm-hmm. you know you need a job you know, but you also know you don't want it hard. <laughs> Teaching is hard, actually. That's the that's the that's the arrogance blinding the person yeah. to the fact. Hundred percent. Um, you know, whereas when a teacher is called, uh, it's like a revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, students will will utterly gravitate towards that person. Yeah, they will talk about that person forever, and that person will impact their lives. Like it's it's just everybody knows when you've had a teacher mm-hmm. who is actually called to teach. They decimate everybody else yeah. by comparison. You're just like, yeah, you stink because you don't care at all. This person is a whiz at what they do, and they care and they go after you. Yeah, there's a difference, you know. Hundred percent. The different. So there's the, that's the flourishing thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in your in in it, it's not to say they're not human. They don't have struggles, doubts, fears, hard days. It's just you can't turn it off. Yeah, a little bit. You know. Now I would just put the moral the moral um, threshold in and say. You know, I, I, gosh, I think, I think there's things you're probably not called to. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I don't know that people are called to like adult entertainment or something, man. I won't go too far, but I'm saying like, there's things where you're like, yeah, that's probably not the best. Like you may want to do that, but I don't know if that's advisable. Mm, like, yeah. you know, like I think, you know, it's like, I really want to rob cars. <laughs> I really want to steal cars. And yeah. it's like, you're good at it, <laughs> but that's the moral, that's the moral component. It's, it's yeah. actually uh, hurting more than it's helping. Mm-hmm. How can you turn that that entrepreneurship into something that actually blesses people? Yeah, so. I think that's just that helpful refrain of that calling is always about more than just yourself yes. and your self-actualization. Because yes. like you were talking about in the beginning, calling is always contextually situated of like where we are as humans and that's humanity, where we are locally in our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it all flows out from that context, even just, you know, certain you've got the ethics element, morals, localized norms, yeah, um, which may be separate from morals and ethics, um, but still at play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about like, I've got a bit of a grievance against video games, so I'll just throw them under the bus, but like, you may have a bro who's like living in his mom's basement, and he's like, I'm really good at putting, playing video games. Affinity. Mm-hmm. I live in my mom's basement for free. Opportunity. My mom loves me and says I'm handsome and says I'm good at everything affirmation um i'm gonna be a twitch streamer and i'm gonna play elden ring for the next 250 hours online mm-hmm. it's like you're probably not called to that mm-hmm. um because you're call only- of duty on a separate note <laughs> calls related to duty is an interesting subject yeah uh, but we'll yeah. don't have to get there but yeah just that idea of like you know you could you could treat some of the conversation that we've had about calling as like check boxes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To just do something that you want to do. Yes. That would be dangerous. And that would be dangerous. 
And it's harder to do that when you keep that situatedness Mm -hmm. in mind of like, this calling is not just about me. Mm -hmm. And it does have something to do with how it is going to benefit in some way other people and myself, hopefully. Not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, And it does have to do with what type of being I am Mm -hmm. and how I'm best suited to work in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think all those are important. Have you guys, because you guys are both, you know, teachers are interacting with a lot of... um, younger folks who are trying to make a lot of big decisions about the directions that their lives are going. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Gareth, you've mentioned that you get, you know, emails from students occasionally uh, that are about these questions. What would you say just as, as people that you're interacting with are like actively in the middle of trying to work through these things? Is there a particular flaw in their thinking that tends to crop up that's maybe just like the cultural flaw or a particular word of advice that you find like oh very commonly when i say have you thought about this as you're trying to figure out your calling or the direction you know a particular piece of advice that seems to resonate regularly yeah uh, that's tough well i mean i could say one thing that comes up a lot a lot is a uh, kind of akin to some stuff we talked about last week which is Students often are par- like they have the I want to do everything like literally I, I want to do I'm interested in too many things. And so the the thing there is the over emphasis on interest as mm-hmm. if interest is enough to determine a life. <laughs> as if it's unique. As if it's unique. <laughs> That's just so. And so that goes back to like, you know, what we said else to summarize, which is um, we think we can do everything. Mm. But as soon as we go to move to do a thing, we foreclose on all other possibilities in that moment. Like if I'm going to drink coffee, I cannot put a burger in my mouth at the same time. Or yeah, you know, there's like there's a limited set of factors. I'm limited, right? That's that's part of our. So um, so as I actualize drinking coffee, I'm foreclosing on everything else because I'm actually finite. I'm grounded. I'm localized. I'm a being. And so, but if I don't do anything, I can live in the sense that I can do anything. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to be doing nothing in order to feel as though you can do everything. Yes. Right. Never, never tap into your unlimited potential. Yeah. Never tap in. So that's the only way you get to maintain unlimited yeah. potential is to act is to not actualize it. Yeah. So, so what happens is we're building a culture where we don't have to actualize so that we can feel like God. So then when you come to college and you are put into um, realms of possibility that require action, it creates conflict because mm-hmm. now you're like, I, I just, I, I, I just want to do it all. Well, well, right. But you came to school to do something hopefully. And and then it's like, and that's the thing is you're treating, you're, 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 you're driving towards oughtness. It ought to be that you did, mm-hmm. but you, the world has become so, um, kind of amorphous that, uh, your assumption about yourself just integrated right in, got you into the door and now you're being confronted with reality. And you and so so you're like, so when the when the council comes, it's difficult because you're like, um, I am not going to, I'm not like an oracle. Like I'm not, or you know, I'm not yeah, yeah. I, I'm not gonna designate for you what you should do. I think you need to rethink why you ever came here to begin with. Yeah. You know, I think you need to check these assumptions. And that's a conversation. And you, you know, sometimes it helps because then the person is like, okay, I'm I'm Here's the thing. Do one thing and tr- and know that there'll be a few other things you might be able to do along the way, but you're not going to be able to do it all. And yeah. we do not tell people that. We have um, uh, multiple generations that are brought up on you can be whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, 
It has caused a lot of damage. It's funny how that idea has also gone from you can be, it used to be what do you want to be when you grow up? So it started, you can be whatever you want to be, but you got to choose one thing. Mm -hmm. But now I think that idea is put into process where it's like, you can be whatever you want to be at any given moment. Correct. That's so good. it's not that you have to select from the beginning and then go that. Yeah, you don't even it's, have to grow up anymore. You just, yeah, yeah you never get out of the stage. Of what do I want to be when I grow yeah. up? Yeah. Because, yeah. because if I actually become an astronaut, I can't be a firefighter mm-hmm. or a cowboy. When, uh, when we had our, our first daughter, the, the, there were a lot of people. This is not like, easy by the way, just to no, say, not it's all. not easy to know this stuff. But we, uh, you know, there were a lot of folks who were, you know, I think very well-intentioned who were saying things like, Hey, you know, you should really not ask that. What do you want to be when you grow up? Question until a lot later. Like, don't put any pressure on your kid at a young age. And I'm like, when do they start becoming an active part of life? Mm-hmm. You know, because if, if you can tell me that age, that's when I'll start actually interacting mm-hmm. with my child. But but until then, I'll just stick them in a corner, and mm-hmm. then just hope they kind of raise themselves, because that seems to work really well. Um, and so when we when we started asking which was very early around like three four years old like pretty much as soon as interests could pop mm-hmm. up um we were just like no this is we're not gonna this is stupid because we're not we're not signing a contract with our daughter you know we're not we're not saying hey here's here's exactly you said this three and a half years old now damn it you better do it mm-hmm. like we're not saying that it's a stupid that. way to go through through life right so we have, we have the conversation with my daughter a lot and she has so far created a list of, I don't know, a hundred million things that she wants to be when she grows up. And it's great because it changes and it changes because she understands there's certain things that she won't be doing. Yeah. And some of that comes through interaction. Once you start uh-huh. acting on, on the reality of these things and you go, Oh, I wanted to do that. And it, now I'm <laughs> acting on it and I'm like, I'm interacting and going, maybe not. Yeah. And, and you know, like that can change and come back around. And uh, so, I mean, like, it's not like you're locked in. That's why I said nope. I think calling sometimes it's not atomistic. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's um, it's still broad enough that it it's like uh, you know. So it, it, it give an example would be like um, you may fi- this is going to seem weird, but you may find that somebody is really good at running an um, auto body shop, and so they've got some business acumen. They're uh, good with welding. Like there's things that they can do. They, mm-hmm. They're into finishes. Yeah. And that same person uh, could have easily went to school to have been a sculptor yeah. and navigated the art world and, and got into art shows because they got business acumen. It's something in there. And they know how to manufacture and they know how to outsource. So you got uh, capacities for outsourcing. You've yeah. got uh, aesthetic appreciation. And then you've got business sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how to run a studio. And so, you, you know, and, um, you know if, you're, if you're successful enough, you have to start to employ people. So you've got some people working under you. Mm-hmm. You're, tr- you're teaching them. So like I'm just using these two examples, but I could I could extend that further and say that it's possible that that same kind of person could also be a, a, a contractor or someone who builds houses. Yeah. And so because a lot of those same intangibles are there. And so you're you know, you're you're in a realm where you're work. It's like you're you have high aptitude for working with your hands, working with uh, diverse materials, b- bending materials. You have vision enough to do it. You work with people and you can balance a checkbook and make sure your taxes are paid and so on like like, yeah. Um, and then there's people that absolutely cannot do that stuff. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So like, I'm not saying it's atomistic. Right. Um, you know, and I think you see in great artists a little bit of this, like it's like the artist that is like in their studio practice, they feel good. And they're quite good at like um, cooking, 
you know, they're really good at cooking. Like it's a little extra something in there. And they, they're great at, they're great at like homesteading or taking care of home, like mm-hmm. building, but they're secure. So they're not chasing down those other avenues necessarily. Yeah. Or, you know, you might, you might find somebody who's really, really astute and their, and their hobby is painting and they're really pretty good at painting. And so like the, the correlations there, but they're settled enough. Yeah, the satisfaction is there enough that they're not like chasing down like the dog that chases down every car that drives by. Mm-hmm. They, they're 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 not doing that, and they're in their call, so to speak, because the calls, you know, like I said, it's not atomistic. Should I use ink or <laughs> should I be an ink artist or should I be? I mean, maybe you're asking that question, and maybe you should, but it's often not to that narrowness. Yeah, it's typically a set of intangibles that uh, incline us in certain trajectories. That have, you know, that have benefits like, you know, the people that debate going to law school or medicine, mm-hmm. there's a reason why that there's a lot of reasons why people debate one of those two, but there is an assumption about their capacity that at least gets them in the door in both. Right. You know? Yeah. I think, I mean, to your question, Cody, I think the, what I was thinking is like passivity, I think is the big thing, which is in all the different what Ryan's saying. Um, Cause it's kind of passivity and, and um, doesn't soy milk cause passivity? there's been studies yeah but yeah passivity and then uh lack of critical thinking which i think go hand in hand right i mean like if you're passive you're not critical thinking obviously because one precludes the other but the um you know it's it's a like we just i don't know we don't encourage we don't encourage students to be an active part of their own life early enough Mm -hmm. we just don't like it's just it gets pushed off so i had a a student that was uh you know really good really bright really engaged um and the student was second semester of their junior year so they were you know coming up on the final lap and they came to my office this would have been probably it was after spring break so late march early april you know into the semester and uh he was like hey can i talk to you for a minute I was like, sure what's up what you got he's like well i um i just wanted to get your take on on a few things because i'm not i'm not really sure what i'm gonna do when i graduate and I was like, "Whoa, what, what do you mean? What do you what do you mean?" And he was like, "Well, I just don't know what I'm gonna." I was like, "When do you graduate? Are you?" And he was like, "Next May." I was like, "Well, what are you, like, what are you doing in school?" And he was like, "I don't know." I was like, "Well, no, I'm like literally, I'm not saying like literally. What are you doing in school? Like, what are you studying? Like, why are you here?" And he's like, "Well, I'm taking some business classes and." You know, kind of doing that because, uh, you know, I just I feel like it's a, a degree that works. And I was like, but for who? Like, because it do- doesn't sound like it's working for you, like in all honesty. And he's like, no, nothing, I'm not really like gravitating towards anything. I said, well, if money didn't exist, what would you do? And he's like, I really like movies. I was like, okay, yeah, I know. But like, what would you do? do? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, no. I mean, like, I really like movies. Like, like I love reading like movie critics and I love reading like, people that are just like really looking at film and like tearing it apart and like breaking down its pieces and looking for symbolism. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, well, what, how, why, what do you do with that? And he was like, well, I have this like blog where I just like, I'll go to films and then I'll try like to like write like kind of like critical analysis sort of thing of them. And I was like, oh, that's cool. How often do you do that? And he's like, I do it once a month. And he was like, oh, I also do that with food. And I was like, okay. I was like, why aren't you getting a journalism degree? Like, why aren't you getting a degree where you learn about this? And he's like, I just didn't think it was a good move. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, because, because other it, people have told me, yep. other people have said, 
my parents, I'm avoiding this. And like, I'm yeah. guilty of this. I mean, if you listen back to like my story, like I was going to go to law school because I didn't want to be poor, not because I cared one crap about law. Yeah. And then I spent two summers working in, around lawyers and I was like, I'm done. I want to do this ever. Hmm. Um, the people were wonderful. The work was terrible. It didn't match up with me or any of the things I had interest in. Um, and so both the student, I was like, yeah, maybe you should just, you know, you can't really, <laughs> can't really redo college right now, but maybe in your senior year, since you don't have a lot to take, you just go take as many of those writing classes as you can and then actually spend your time doing that stuff. And he was like, I can do that. I was like, yes, you can be active in what you want in your life. Like yeah. you're 20 at this point. Yeah. You can do that. Also, man, it's like you're in, we're in an unprecedented time. So like the thing is college education was a general education to make generally stronger citizens, yeah. which would make generally stronger societies. So the, 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 problem in a way is it's almost antithetical to this conversation is uh everybody bought in and, and started to look at college as the as the oracle that would determine for them what they're to do with their life right so with that it's like um gosh it's like uh well, that's sort of coming from the uh, adoption from the american colleges of the german research institution model where everything was like very narrowly specialized mm -hmm. too Right, and so we adopted that, and so suddenly you get defined by what you study in college because it's so specialized, mm -hmm. whereas previously it wasn't. Which we weren't Germany, so the soil, the, the soil, different context, yeah, different yeah. context produces. Different I heard a great, a great quote to this point. There's a German guy talking, and he said the the issue in Germany that we've always had is that we're not a country of resources, so our people have been our only resources. So we've had to make people mm. who could think and do great things because it's all we could export. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so to put know, that in the United States, where that's not the case, that's right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point. Like in, and so like with, with college, um, you start to shift that way and, uh, everybody buys in. And so you're expecting uh, a kind of anointed anointing, like, like, oh, it's just going to click. And it's like, nah, it, it does, I mean, it, it does for some, it really does. There's always a rule, rule of, uh, whatever to the, what is the, what is the phrase? So rule of thumb. Like, there's always a rule to the exception. Yeah, so, yeah. so like that's just that's just there without question. And somebody here listening is probably like that in everything we say. So they're like, this doesn't fit me at all, right? But you're probably not the the yeah. the, the, the average, right? You're you're, and then you have, and then it's good to know that because then you can know how to relate to people and not normalize the uniqueness of your experience as mm -hmm. though that should be the case for everyone else because that happens too. So, so, um, you know, like. Uh, students come in, I mean, people come in perpetually and they don't see a connection to the value of a general existence. Like, like they don't see the value of working the job they're in because it's not the job they're supposed to do. And so they don't see the transferability of the job. They don't see the general um, shaping influence that it has. Like you're being responsible. You're learning to look people in the eyes. That's a lost art, by the way. Even with masks on, people still don't look at each other in the eyes. Yeah. And so they can't talk to each other. They don't know how to, they don't know how to write emails anymore. Like that's even like a thing, like there's no decorum. And so you're seeing like a, an erosion because there's a lack of, you're missing all the resources that are just like already available to you in preparing you to, um, to, to meaningfully step into the, the, the relative narrowness of the call. And so they miss the general application of college searching for the particular. And so there's a bewilderment while there's just you're, you're bewildered in an abundance of resources. That's an incredible thought. You know what I'm saying? Like you are literally in a wilderness of resources and utterly bewildered to it. Uh, even with uh, it's like an indictment on us. Like our phones are an indictment on us. We have yep. 
we don't just have one university in our phone. We have a plurality mm-hmm. of multitudinal universities in our in our phone. And yet, you know, we're bewildered and lost. So, you know, yeah, there's there's something about the starting assumptions that has to change, I guess. Well, there's a that's why trade school is becoming really popular. Yeah, and, and, and you one, know, one reason why. One of the things that I always loved is, you know, for a couple of years I was teaching some freshmen, and in August every year when the new class would come in, you know, they'd walk in and it's you know their first second day on campus, you know, going to class, <clears throat> and um, I'd I'd ask them more or less like if if I if if you had five hundred extra bucks a month, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I do this and this and this. Some were like, you know, I'll probably invest some of the money and probably maybe like, uh, you know, it might be enough where I could maybe look into getting like a small house or something or maybe like buy a condo or something like that. And it's like, okay, cool, all this stuff. And I was like, well, drop out of school and go do that. And they would look at me like, wait, what? And I was like, 100%, leave school right now and do that. And half of them would look terrified. And they're just like, what do you, what would, what could I, what would I even do? Yeah. Like I, my whole life I've been told to do this. It's like, well, $500 is your average student loan payment in the United States. So get that back and go do it. And they're like, no, but, but, uh, but I need this. And I was like, you need what? So get into a great conversation of like, why the hell you're actually here. Yeah. And so some students would be like, no, I think you're right. But my parents would kill me. Yeah. And I was like, then tell your parents they're responsible for your student loans because they're the ones doing this. Yeah. And they're like, but I, I'm like, no, you can't get away from the reality of the situation. Yeah. And so, um, but there was some students who were like, no, there's, there's people here I need to learn things from. And I was like, cool, keep that in mind the whole time. Yeah. Keep that in mind with your attitude, your posture, the way you approach things, the yeah. way you think about class, the way you schedule your courses. Think about that. Yeah. But if it's mommy told me to, get the hell out of here, man. Yeah. Get out, go do something else because I guarantee you're not going to find it here in four years. And then you say, keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect beautiful but yeah and it was and they, they were just so confused because they're like but this is your job and i was like yeah my job is not to teach people that don't want to be taught yeah my job is not to teach people that don't actually want to do something with this so get your big lousy keister <laughs> off of my property count to three before i fill your lousy no good anyway yeah so uh it was uh but it was it was a great conversation because it really did get students into a space where they're like, well, I need to actually think about why I'm here now that I'm here. Yeah. Hey, a total tangent to this, but go watch. If you've never done it, go on Netflix or is it Netflix or Prime. Back in the day, there's the, the Toys That Made Us. Yeah, yeah Netflix. Yeah. Netflix. Toys That Made Us, and then there's like the film one. Watch those. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, oh gosh, it might have been about three years ago, but watching the Toys one. And, you know, there's one for Home Alone. There's one for... They are great pictures. Like the ones that motivate me are, well, all of them. But also go watch the making of Star Wars. Go watch the making of Wizard of Oz. You'll start seeing how many times great things almost weren't made. Yeah. And same with this, like with He-Man, like, and I'm saying this to say like, or, or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like if you watch these creative people, like their story isn't glitz and glamour. It's like, it's like bubblegum you know, shoestrings and paper clips <laughs> yeah. almost not happening over home alone was shut down. Home alone was shut down. Oh, dang. They built a studio in a school. They had no money. And the company is like, um, Oh gosh, it's fantastic. 
And so it doesn't happen. And as soon as they shut it down, they're passing out the notice of saying it's not going to happen. Then another company, uh, that's Warner or whatever, comes in and says, hey, we're going to take it on. But it's like I, I've never seen a making of where it's not those kinds of stories. Like Wizard of Oz had three different people playing one role, three different directors. Yeah. It, it almost didn't get, get made three different times. And when you watch it, there are like these subtle seams to the film. Like you're like, oh, my gosh. And then it was a failure for 10 years and then it became successful. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a huge amount of like like hardcore stubborn want that goes that's into a saying. lot of things being made. Yeah, it's it's not. And so so get get a view of some of these kinds of behind the scenes stories of making things. Because I think it gives you a little bit of a picture of like what you may endure. Yeah. The, the cost to the call, if you will, is that you may have to uh, endure some things that are unpleasant. And, yeah. um, and you, you know, I've dealt with this. Like my wife knows this better than anybody else that knows me that um, I've been a yo-yo. Like it, like, you know, when you f- feel like you see something that and you, you, you'll wrestle with, am I crazy? Because how come no one else sees this? Or, yeah. and, and I've had to like fight that um well my whole life but especially in the last 20 years and and even now i fight it like um it's not like it's just uh it, it's just perfect so like landing the plane sometimes it's like um it's like things like make sure you have food to eat make yeah. sure your blood sugar levels are right go, go sit under a tree uh, uh somebody once yeah, sleep um, yes <coughs> somebody uh incredible once told somebody else who did incredible things to go chill out, eat some bread, drink some water and sleep under a tree for a minute. Get yourself yeah, together. Yeah. Really good sound advice. It's like an, an old, old book, but um, relevant book. I, anyhow, um, so practically speaking, you got to get sleep. <laughs> you got to have a job. Uh, you got to eat. And and um, and, th- and then it's like, that's your baseline. You know, you got to have some friends. You got to have friends that don't care about what you do. Yeah. And then you need some friends that do. Like you yeah. need friends that like you and don't really know that you're you're like an artist. If you don't have that, you're missing out. You need people that don't idolize you for what you do mm-hmm. or also hound you about it 24/7. Yeah. You need people that are like, "Hey, <laughs> come look at my garden." And uh and you know, you're a builder and they don't know you're a builder and they're showing you their fence. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you need that. Yeah. You need those practical engagements to kind of ground you enough to hear the call. So I guess I, I know I'm No, I think yeah. that's that's good because that that touches back on the idea that there are, a lot of this conversation has been about like pretty specific callings, but it's always got to be grounded in the more general. It's got to be grounded. Like general. you're called yeah. it, and I say this knowing that we live in a world where like not everyone has the opportunity to be like a healthy, well-fed person who's Correct. in a safe circumstance. But Correct. you can say that all humans are called to be healthy well-fed like there, there's a there's a sense of like as we understand the ideal circumstances of humanity at yeah. a very basic level we, we get that there's basic needs so like you know like go go for a walk in your neighborhood repeatedly and you'll start to you'll start to have content if you're an artist mm-hmm. just go in yeah. your neighborhood it's like why i titled some of my paintings based on the neighborhood i was in the amazing resiliency of humanity is that we can actually get to stuff in the absence sometimes of those yeah. basic needs being met. That's right. Which is pretty yep. amazing if you if you really think about it. But yeah, yeah, I think that context. So we're, it's good because the, the conversation is kind of shifting into some other questions that we had that are a little past the 
questions about initial calling or identification. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple questions about people who are just wondering whether or not they're like, I thought I was called to this. I've been doing it for a while. Doesn't seem like it's going very well. Mm-hmm. Should I just double down or mm-hmm. should I just get out? Like, yeah. how, how do I figure out? You know, you mentioned that there were times where you had some ups and downs. Sure. Um, what would you say to someone who's like experiencing that, who feels like they had identified some calling, have been in it for a while? This also ties into some ideas about like people whose whose callings maybe don't accord with like full time paid job. Mm-hmm. So they're also, you know, like I'm doing this thing on the side. I feel like I really connect with it, but it doesn't look like I'm ever really going to be able so to do would, work. Yeah, yeah. So I would say real fast with that one. So if, if you're doing something and, and, and you, it, it, I would I would ask the li- does anybody else connect with it? It's just helpful. You know, if you got five friends that connect with it, then I, then then there, there's something there. But if you're doing something and no, it's like the I I in another another world, you know, there's mentoring that I've done, and you get guys that are like, I really feel like I'm called to be a leader, and it's like, cool, who's following you? Well, no one is ticking me off, and I was like, because maybe you're not called to be a leader, but <laughs> <laughs> not in that way. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Not like, totally. yeah, like you're 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 wanting a platform for weird reasons that nobody no one wants to give you, like. I don't know, man. I was like, it's more mysterious than that to me. But, but the point being, if if you're if you're doing something and nobody connects with it, well, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just may mean that it really is like a hobby. But if you're if you're doing it and you're trying to get it to be the thing, and it's not working at all, over and over again, well, then you know, think about that. But um, but think about it in relationship to like my first response to what you said was, well, who knows them. And who do they know? Mm-hmm. The know and be known thing. Um, so the first thing you should do is dip into who you know and, and how they know you. And, and give them permission to speak honestly on what they see. And then close your eyes and just take it. Um, and then don't respond. You know, like wait. And just and, and sit with that for a bit. Just let let people that actually care about you. And then you got to put a little qualify in there. And this is tricky. Of You just gave someone permission to speak into your life. It, it may be that um, they're a little zealous to prove they're, a, they're, they're warranted <laughs> in doing that, which is why you don't take what they say to heart right away. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you, you have to, so the more you know and are known, the easier you can sit down and have those kinds of conversations without overthinking the responses. So um, be embedded in, in the lives of people uh, in ways that are not pragmatic, but are authentic. Um, easier said than done. So if you're like, but I love to isolate and I want to be an artist, but I don't know anybody. You don't want to be an artist. Yeah. You're, you're like a, a fan of entertainment. That's a, that's like narcissism. Mm-hmm. That's not actually wanting to tell stories. It's wanting to consume stories and not share them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not saying like you got to be mean, be like, you know, somebody who's like, likes to talk to people, but you got to step outside yourself because there's other people that are worth your time. So I'm saying the framework is being grounded through job relationship and people. And if it's not going well, you want to check in with how much, you know, if like you're like the singer who nobody wants to listen to, it's just a hyperbolic example. You probably aren't called to sing, you know? And I know, I know the argument to that is like, well, what if I'm just so ahead of the time that, that nobody, and it's like that person is so rare. There really is a good chance. You're not that person. Would you say that person would probably be the sort of person who would be so focused and convinced on what they're they, doing? Yeah, they wouldn't be not, asking this question. They, they wouldn't be feeling a, this isn't working. Also, just, like, 
in yeah, situations like so. that, like you also need to have the valid categories that like you can just enjoy something that you do that doesn't have to be the defining feature Dude, of who you are. Yeah, that is one of my biggest. I mean, I you know I can't say too much, but that is that's why a talk like this is important because a lot of people just like things, mm-hmm. and when we like something, we want to own it. Yeah, that does not. We're not talking about that. You know, hey, so your work is never going to fill a giant empty hole in your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work that way. No. But so, so to, when you ask the question, it, part of the answer also is back in what I said earlier, which is the generality of the call is near, is wide enough that you may be having a rough go here, and you make a slight shift in like what you do. Like I'm making this up completely. Like you're, you know, you're you're a painter or something, and then you shift to like cooking or I don't know, you know, like, and all of a sudden it, it works or, or, or you maybe know. you're a painter and you shift to like interior decorating. Yeah. 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 Or you, or you're a painter and you shift to house painting mm-hmm. and you're like, all of a sudden my body's more activated and I, I'm just like out in the sun more and I'm meeting new people. So I'm getting that variation that I thought I would get as a painter. And, um, so in, when, in the context of painting, maybe it's all cerebral for that person. They don't realize it. And so, so a lot of the intangibles they possess are are better expressed through the full use of their body, uh, in in moving in real spaces, driving a real van, going to work, getting up early, dealing with um, challenges. Like when I deal, you deal with challenges in painting. Well, when you go paint a house, you deal with challenges in the customer. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you're dealing with spatial reasoning. Still, you're still dealing with all those things. You're dealing with texture. It's not to flatten things and say there's no difference. But there is a richness that affords commonality without violating difference. And and yeah. That makes me so. think. Um, I was reading this book. It's, I think it's um, by James Elkins called Visual Worlds. And he was talking about the idea of thickets of representation. Hmm. Just like, and he was using the the description of um, bird spotting. Mm-hmm. Where like on in bird spotting manuals, you'll get like, this is the bird. And then they'll show you like 20 pictures. Yep of variations of how that bird can appear in the wild. of like these little stripes here and this time of season. And I love none of that. No individual image of the bird is the guaranteed what that bird's going to look like. You have to have the whole, the whole representation, all those multifaceted versions picture what this type of bird is. So it's triggering the same sort of thing when you're talking about how you can have these callings and there's sort of going to be a, a thicket of examples of callings mm-hmm. that are going to constellate around maybe a central point or certain central yeah. features, but yeah. all have different be little stripes a, and shades. There'll be a set of indicatives that are indicative of the call that also just so happen to accord with the way you're hardwired. And so that'll be the accord. It's like it, it'll, it's like the uh, lungs to the oxygen that is, you know, work through the tree. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's that kind of um, respiration. Like it just kind of, it, it makes a lot of sense. So like, I know for sure, I can tell you I, from experience, I, I could have been because I was, I was a, a, after I did sports, I was a coach and I was successful at it almost without trying. So I coached uh, state champion twice in triple jump was one of the coaches. And then I uh, coached someone who was the best high jumper in the state who um, got second place in the States and won nationals at CSUN named Jarek. And, um, and a lot of what I do as a professor is very similar to what I did with them. So like I could, and, and like, and I was very good at teaching people how to shoot a basket, like how to shoot your mechanics and your form. Like I, 
So the, the, the me that gets into breaking down how to draw is almost identically the same thing teaching mechanics when it comes to high jump and, and, and basketball. So I could have been a coach with coaches, you know, like maybe not the league coach, but like one of the coaches specializing in this thing, working on a team. And like probably in another world could have had just as fulfilling an experience, which doesn't trivialize the arts. It's just to say that um, the way I'm wired has more than one application. Now, the problem is for the longest time, I couldn't make that assessment. So I was um, agonizing over this very thing. Like, do I go to school to be a coach or do I go to school to follow being an artist? Mm-hmm. You know, and in some ways, it, I mean, I don't know. It, it might have been, it, who knows, like it might have been a, a more advantageous thing for me to, to go streamlined into coaching. But, um, you know, you don't see examples very well sometimes, which is why we have to live these things more publicly so people mm-hmm. can have better choices. A lot of it's sealed to us. But now, I know that if if you said, "Hey Ryan, when you're 60, I hope not. You know, I want to be doing what I'm doing. But if, I, if someone said you're going to be working at Lowe's, which is no dis on Lowe's, it's to say that I'd be the same person there. Like yeah. I would, I would be the dude who's like, "Oh, you want to know about this thing? Okay, let's go look at it. Like you see this? Like that's that's part of part of the way that I'm generally constituted. Do you know what I'm saying? So no. not to back out of the call, yeah. but it's to it's to emphasize um, the general in relationship to the particular and yeah. to say that when someone is wrestling, it's not as though they're going to so fundamentally change that like where you're at is where you are. So some of the baggage will still be there because you're you. Because, yeah, there's the call has it has those. You have your characteristics that, like you said, you're going to take with you everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so part of, I guess, the the sifting out of the conversation is what are those characteristics? Mm-hmm. You know, have you done enough, like what you were saying, Gareth, have you done enough to get it even a sense of what mm-hmm. those characteristics are in you so that yeah. then you can look at the oppor- the limited set of opportunities mm-hmm. that are in front of you, coaching or being a painter or doing something else mm-hmm. and say, with these characteristics that I've you know, maybe at the very least identified like it, their most like small forms mm-hmm. opportunities for growth. Do I see those characteristics growing into this space or that space mm-hmm. or that? And then, you know, at a certain point you do have to make a choice and start yeah. sort of narrowing and maybe specializing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think sometimes we think about calls as like, I want to change. I think I have all the characteristics. Yeah. And so now I'm just trying to say, which characteristics do I want to have and do I value? Because maybe culture says that it's better to be an athlete than a thinker or better mm-hmm. to be a thinker than a maker or better mm-hmm. to be a maker than a dot, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's easy for myself even to to imagine that I could really do anything I want, exactly like you were saying. Um, and it's only just maybe in the last few years that I've, I've looked back on, you know, 10 years of living outside of my parents' home and just like working and supporting myself, I can say, oh, I've had all these different jobs doing some pretty different things. But it seems like there's some characteristics that keep cropping up and how I do each of those things Mm -hmm. that are consistent and starting to, you know, make me consider. Yeah. I think once you get to a place like you were talking about, Cody, um, and this question still applies where it's just not, it seems like things aren't really kind of happening yeah. or you're like, Oh, it's not something that might support me full time. I think there's also, you got to have a real good head on your shoulders and this is going to come from, you know, a community around you to understand what are circumstances and what are reality, what's reality, you know? So, um, 
you know, the circumstances of your life are going to dictate the way that your calling can kind of look, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or in terms of not how your calling can look, but how it plays out. So, um, you know, there may be a period um, that you're working another job while you're doing the thing that you're called to, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm I'm doing this so I can make sure I'm paying the rent mm -hmm. and I'm having to just scrape it together. In Which the is hours part of I your got. general call, taking yeah. responsibility for your life. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's a circumstance, right? That's yeah. a thing that's going on. Circumstances can change very easily. Like reality does not change easily, mm -hmm. if at all. And so you have, you know, certain things where it's like, oh, um, we had a massive hospital bill pop up. So I had to grab a night shift job. So I didn't do my thing at all for a season. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even part of it because the circumstances dictated otherwise. And not that we're kind of at the, the, you know, whim and will of, of just like a flippant world. Um, but in the sense of just understanding that like things can change. So when you talk to somebody who's like early career and they might say, you know, I'm, I'm doing 70 and 80 hour weeks because I'm working a full-time job and having to do this thing to hustle together to try to get a gallery show or try to get in this publication or try to get on somebody's radar. And you're just like, yeah, that's the circumstance right now. Yeah. You know, and like that doesn't have, that doesn't mean this is what this thing is going to be for all time. You no, know, it's funny just kind of think about this, like, you know, like you're a gallery and you're in this gallery and it's the most physically pr like structured gallery. It's like physical, like page pond gallery. Mm -hmm. It's like the most in, in Richmond, great gallery, been around 10 or whatever, 12 years. I don't even know now, mm -hmm. 14 years. 15, maybe 16, but you know, it's the kind of space that you just assume is going to be there. And then all of a sudden it's, it's closing. Yeah. So you're an artist showing this gallery and your whole life is built on that gallery. Not, not judging. Yeah. Not judging. Mm -hmm. But, um, that, well, I guess I'm thinking of that physical space. Is uh, not, yeah. Um, maybe not. Yeah. The physical space is a little newer. Um, and it, and it, it, it has this like permanence in the feel of the space. Mm -hmm. And I just learned that it's like, uh, going to be like a furniture store oh. just like that. Oh, just like that. Right. Oh. And I, I'm, I'm into furniture, furniture's not, great, but it just, it hurts a little bit. Yeah. So it's, so it's like, even, even the things around you change. Like I've been learning this at the university for a while. People mm -hmm. that I thought were like the staple and they're yeah. like, I'm out. And you're yep. like, wait, wait, that once that started <laughs> happening enough, um, like when one of my sort of people that really helped me early, it was Jack Risley. And once he left, I was like, Oh, Whoa, that could, that could happen. Like, Okay, you know, and you keep getting that, and you're like, okay, I got to change my, yeah, I got to change my my orientation, um, and so I, I don't know that we fully land the plane yet, but um, I think it's a good place for people to like just kind of sit and stew on it because I think we we've given a lot of really good kind of like uh, we put in some we put some pegs in the pegboard, yeah, right? if yeah. nothing else to kind of grab onto and say, you know, well, how does this apply? How does it actually work with yeah. me? Because there's nothing we've talked about today that is so like ephemeral or subjective that people can't say hard and fast. Like I could kind of look at my life or the things I want or my desires or whatever else and kind of say, Oh, these, these can give me some like push and pull points at yeah. least. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when I think about the conversation we just had, like if you can listen to the conversation we just had and think about what you guys have talked about previously. So think about like the integration episode. That was mm -hmm. one that really popped up integration, not balance. Yeah. Go back and listen to that episode mm -hmm. and think about this calling, you know, listen to the other calling episodes again. Um, listen to some stuff. I think another some we talked about identity. Identity. Yeah. So if you go yeah. back and listen to identity and then integration and then the world. Some mm -hmm. of the rethink episodes yeah. about like um, starving artists, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's sort of like a web of connection points. So this 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 conversation isn't gonna totally get to everything. Right. 
but it's not the only conversation that's been had or yeah. will be had. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and just like what we've talked about today, like we also don't intend for these conversations to ever exist in totality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? They're always starting points, always mm-hmm. places for, you know, like these questions that we're dealing with yeah. today for y'all to shoot in questions and, yeah. and us to kind of bounce stuff around. Exactly. Um, to actually do what we talked about and have a community of people who are coming around to have these conversations and do things that help us better understand the world we live in, mm-hmm. especially so as it maybe we'll, to our design. Maybe we'll just have like a, a loose ends episode because I feel like yeah. it might just be a couple loose ends that we didn't. We didn't pick up on. We'll see. I mean, I think that's every series is going to always have some loose ends. ends. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> and on that note, yeah, on that note, as we always say and always mean, we love y'all. You're a fantastic audience, and we will catch you next time. Bye bye. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.